This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Jill Bennett sitting in for Simi Sarah today. Well, this is a story that involves a blockade. There was an eviction notice given out on the weekend, but still Coastal Gas Link, which is the company involved, says it does expect construction on a natural gas pipeline to resume, even though the company was served that eviction notice from a BC First Nation. Let's bring in Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, to talk a bit more about this. Keith, thanks so much for being here. Always good to be here, Jill. So walk us through, because this is the latest in what has been a pretty lengthy uh, disagreement, argument to what you would call it that's been going on at this particular job site? Yeah, so this pipeline is a $6.6 billion pipeline uh, that goes from the Peace River uh, area to hook up to, uh, to Kitimat with the LNG Canada project. So it's a pretty big deal, uh, and it's, uh, but it's run into a, a significant snag, and that's even understating it, at a couple locations around Houston and Smithers, where the Wet'suwet'en uh, First Nations is divided on whether or not this pipeline should <coughs> be allowed to proceed through its uh, ancestral territory. Every First Nations band, including Wet'suwet'en, along the pipeline route has signed benefit agreements with the company building the pipeline. So there's evidence that a majority, uh, if not almost unanimous, First Nations support for this pipeline exists. However, uh, those benefit agreements were signed with elected councils. And where there's been a problem is the hereditary chiefs in some of the uh, Wet'suwet'en houses, uh, five to eight hereditary chiefs, oppose this pipeline. And they say their power in determining what happens on Wet'suwet'en land trumps that of elected councils. And they say Wet'suwet'en internal law says uh, they have the power to stop this pipeline. There has been an injunction granted by the B.C. Supreme Court that allows construction to continue, even though there's opposition from hereditary chiefs. That injunction was extended on New Year's Eve by a a B.C. Supreme Court judge. But right after that injunction was extended, the hereditary chiefs issued what they call an eviction notice to uh, the company building the pipeline, and that company uh, got its workers to leave the job site. But as you say, they now say they intend to go back and continue construction. Where there's a real, I think, an escalating bit of tension here is the RCMP have been involved in, in enforcing that injunction order in the past. That caused significant tensions last year. So it's been a long time since we saw that sort of uh, confrontation occur, but it, all the earmarks are there now for another confrontation to occur between Indigenous activists and environmental activists opposed to the pipeline and the RCMP that will have to enforce this court-approved uh, injunction. So it's a very messy situation that's sort of been percolating on, on you know, simmer for a while. Now it seems to be going to the boiling point again, and uh, who knows what's going to happen up there, but things could get very ugly. And it seems like there's been no real shift or change in the position of the hereditary chiefs who claim that they have the power and those that want the project. Yeah, exactly. There's been no compromise from either side throughout this whole uh, process. It's been going on for a couple of years. There's been a blockade at a bridge um, that uh, is supposed to send workers over to the job site. Uh, there's been off and on protests there for some time, but there's been no fundamental change in the position of the hereditary chiefs. Uh, there is uh, evidence that uh, the internal politics of the Wet'suwet'en uh, First Nations is getting a little um, problematic as well. Uh, there was a story in the Global Mail, I think a few months ago, saying that three female hereditary chiefs that support the pipeline 
were accusing the other male hereditary chiefs of bullying them because of their position. So it's uh, it's exacting a toll internally in the Wet'suwet'en First Nations, but it's also uh, has the uh, potential, I think, of being a real conflagration that involves uh, the RCMP having to get involved in a very remote area where, uh, again, tensions are going to be running high, and I think it's going to dwarf potentially all the protests we've seen associated with the Trans Mountain Pipeline. This one seems to be in a league of its own. Hmm. Which, and do you think the location is playing a role in this, in that it is a remote location? It's not like the Burnaby Mountain one that you can just head on down to the site in Burnaby. Yeah, I mean, the Trans Mountain one, just get on a SkyTrain and you're there. Uh, up there, it's a, it's a remote area, uh, quite a ways away from uh, any uh, sizable community. So it's, it's tough to get protesters there, but it's also tough just to simply get work done there because of its remote uh, location. And it's easier, I think, to stop the work from proceeding than it would be in a place like uh, like Burnaby Mountain. So, But uh, I think you're going to see probably media coverage now amp up as this protest and this confrontation starts to take hold up there because uh, the the, uh, hereditary chiefs have basically served notice that they don't intend necessarily to obey that injunction. And now they've issued eviction notices, which the company at first complied with now seems to be revisiting that position and sending workers back on the site. But that has uh, the recipe for, again, another showdown that could get out of hand. And as far as you know, from from what you've been told in covering this, Mm -hmm. is it the environmental risk that the hereditary chiefs are opposed to? Well, they're... they fear the environmental risk, but also they, they argue there are archaeological artifacts and sacred sites that are in danger of being violated here because of the pipeline construction. That, I think that's more at the heart of their argument, that uh, their ancestral land, uh, which again has never been, you know, it's not part of a treaty, they still claim title to it, uh, that they have the right to govern what goes on that land, particularly as it results in the impact on archaeological uh, burial sites and such. So it's a uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very compelling argument for many people, but again, the courts have ruled twice now that that pipeline can proceed through there. And it's going to be interesting for the NDP government as it begins to implement the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, known as UNDRIP, which is supposed to be, um, you know, to accommodate First Nations rights how they handle this real political hot potato when you've got evidence that the majority of First Nations want this pipeline to proceed because they see real economic benefit for their people uh, versus the ancestral claims of hereditary chiefs who argue that uh, there's something more important at stake than the economic benefits for this pipeline. And it'll be interesting to see where the NDP comes down on this. I think as a government, they're going to discover they have to implement and support the rule of law, which means backing the Supreme Court judge and the RCMP in this but I can tell you, this is uh, it was one, one thing for the NDP to take a position on issues like this when they were in opposition. Now they're in government. The stakes are much higher. The responsibilities are much different. And it'll be interesting to see how David Eby, the Attorney General, proceeds here. Well, and we uh, also see the, the uh, opposition, the Liberals, taking this opportunity as well to call them out on it. Yes, Doug Donaldson, the Forest Minister, posed for a picture with the protesters last year. Uh, now, he has Doug Donaldson, who represents the Keene up north, the riding, very, very northern riding. Uh, he has a lot of uh, First Nations, including Wet'suwet'en members, as part of his constituency. And his defense is, look, I'm just meeting with them. They're my constituents. Um, and, but the, the Liberals are saying, as a minister of the Crown, you cannot take side with people who are breaking a V.C. Supreme Court order. 
And that's why the, the Liberals reissued basically the same news release they put out a year ago this month, uh, saying Doug Donaldson should resign because the Minister of County shouldn't be meeting with them. But uh, I don't see that happening. Just because they say you should resign doesn't mean that's going to happen. But it does, again, you know, put Doug Donaldson in an interesting position because he's trying to represent his constituents at the same time as a minister. He can't be really supporting those who are advocating breaking the law when it comes to a Supreme Court ruling. All right. So we will see what happens next. Keith, thank you so much. Okay, take care.